The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. You want the good news, you want the bad news. I don't like either one of those options. Your words are... Super wise, man. You are a prophet. You deserve a prophet. You do whatever you want. Who am I to tell you what to do? But you're a psychologist. Well, I know less than you do. You're making me a better parent and a better wife, and thank God you're on the radio. What planet are you on? I don't buy any of that stuff. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. What are you talking about? You make my afternoon really fun. Enjoy ya. You're about the most exciting thing I have right now. <laughs> Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. There's no way the parent who put that little guy up to calling in predicted he was going to say that. They probably figured, sweet little guy, he was going to say, Hi, Dr. Ray. It's so nice to be able to talk with you. Nah, you can't predict how they're going to act. That was the problem I had when my kids were little. I didn't take them out in public. I'd lose business. Some of the stunts they would pull out in public, I could hear people thinking, that guy's a psychologist. Remind me not to take take any of my parenting problems to him. He can't even control his own kids. And I'd look and I'd say, most of them are doing pretty good. Okay, just because you got one who sets a fire, you know tar and feather all of them some of them are pretty good nice to have you with me i'm dr ray garendi program here the doctor is in privilege i know that sounds syrupy i don't mean it that way it is truly a privilege to get to be with you talk with you hear what you have to say questions comments you know i've been noticing a little bit and i'm going to start inviting more people to do this comments or observations about Matters of faith, uh, relationships, emotions, struggles. Of course, I will comment on them, obviously. I can't shut up. But uh, you can do this, too. So you can call in, of course, with a question or situation that is perplexing you. And we'll put our heads together, see what we can come up with. Or you can call in and say, uh, you know, here's something I've noticed about doesn't have to necessarily be a comment on a previous call. Be a comment on anything. That's kind of neat, too. And I will, I will make a commitment to you, I will take notes. Yes, I will. I will take notes. And I'll uh, write them down, and uh, at some point, I will take your suggestions and comments and observations of the human condition, and I will gather them all together, put them in a book, and make a lot of money. Thank you. Thank you so very much. The number, 877-573-7825. Now, that's not an easy number to remember. 877-57-EQUAL. That L will drop off. Your phone only takes in 10 digits. You put in an 11th digit. Your phone ignores it. kind of like a kid. When you're nagging them, they just sort of ignore it. All right, one more time, the number, 
equal. I noticed this way, way back. Way back. I, I became kind of the, the parenting guy, the parenting go-to guy, at the mental health center where I worked in Columbiana County right out of grad school. Or I was in grad school, actually. I, I did a uh, internship there while I was in grad school. And part of the reason for that is I sensed even then that kids are quickly more responsive to changes in their environment than adults are. And I also noticed that nobody else in the mental health center wanted to do it. They were all seeing adults. I quickly found out, from my perspective, and there's research to support this, is the, the, the least effective way to work with a kid who is particularly a behavior problem kid is to work with the child individually. You get much more done working with the parents. However, I noticed that there was a mindset growing among parents, and I've labeled it, and I don't even know if I called it this in any of the books, the search. The search is, I'm going to find out what is wrong with this child. The main reason, by far, that parents will call me has to do with the child's conduct, either difficult, unruly, defiant, oppositional conduct, or passive, resistant type of conduct. Not doing schoolwork, not cooperating around the house, uh, amotivated, etc. But I would say the bulk, 80%, maybe more, has to do with the socialization component of raising a child. And many of the parents who have come into my office have searched to identify what might be wrong with this child. One of the first places they look is for a diagnosis. Common diagnosis uh, is oppositional defiant disorder or conduct disorder. There's various types of conduct disorder for the older kids. And really those, those aren't in my opinion, disorders per se, they're labels. They're labels uh, that summarize a whole lot of behavior that has been around a while and that is intense and frequent enough that somebody decides it's a disorder because it's out of too far out of the norm of kids that age. Although, just as an aside, I'm going to raise a question. If, in fact, more and more children are becoming unruly, then the norm is becoming more unruly, and then you've got to be further out of the norm to be diagnosed. But that's a monologue for another time. So they have a diagnosis that they've gotten from the school, from their family practitioner. They've gotten that. And to them, that explains why the kid is the way he is. It doesn't explain anything. It just kind of describes it. Or they will read up on diet, and they will see if, in fact, changing the diet can alter this child's conduct. Or they will look at the child's position in the family. Is he a middle child? You know, is, he, is the middle one of the three kids? What, what is this? Or he's strong-willed. In other words, the common theme in all of this is that I've got to pinpoint what exactly is internal to this child that is making this child act this way. Notice how I did that? This child that is making this child act this way. 
It's kind of like the way they rewrite some of the old hymns, you know, instead of using the word God and then he, they say God and then they repeat God because obviously God didn't communicate with us in that way. So we, uh, we, he didn't realize that he wasn't linguistically sensitive enough so that we have to change that. So they will wonder, they will, in many respects, ask me to find out, to diagnose, to evaluate what might be wrong with this child to make this child do this. Now, I experience after many, 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 many years, and there's research backing this up, is that there's nothing wrong with the child. I tell that the parents, I say, I got news, I got bad news. The good news is there's nothing wrong with your kid. Your kid is just doing what he has learned to do. Maybe he's got a tougher temperament. I don't deny that because there's four kids in the family and he's by far the toughest one. Okay, I got that. But he's also learning the dynamics of the situation. He knows the dance and he's learned it. And he's becoming more difficult for the parent. And 50% of the time, especially the younger kids, they're not difficult for the teacher. It's difficult for the parent. And I asked the parent, well, if these things are wrong with this child, why are they not wrong when he's at school? Now, I said 50%. Yes, there are some kids who give both the teacher and other authorities trouble too. But there are reasons for that, and that's not part of this manalock. My point is this. We need to look at ourselves first. What am I doing? What can I do differently? How can I be stronger? How can I be more affectionate? How can I be overall just a better parent, better disciplinarian? Now, many of the people who come into my office are very good people. They love their kids. These are not pathological families. These are parents who are totally flummoxed their home life because this kid is tearing it up for everybody and they think something is with this kid and if I could just find out what is making this kid like this I begin the search and once I stumble upon the search I say first you look at yourself because even if the child is strong-willed even if he's been diagnosed ODD even if he's been diagnosed ADHD even if he's the middle child even if sugar seems to have some inordinate effect on his conduct. You change what you can change, but you look at yourself. What can I do here? One of the most rewarding aspects of my job is when I get a cooperative parent or parents, they come in, this usually works quicker with the younger kids, and we talk about ways to make things different. Now, much of the time, the parents think, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a good disciplinarian. I got high standards. The people around me look at us, and they say we're the strictest of all the group. Having high standards and authority are two different things. So we talk, and these are cooperative, loving parents. They, they change. And one of the neatest things I hear is, after a session or two or three, they'll say something like, I'm living with a different child. I... I don't know who this is. He's so much more pleasant. We're not having anywhere near the trouble that we were having. And they're shocked, really. They're totally shocked because if, in fact, something is wrong with the child, then their changing shouldn't have done all this much this quickly. But it did. Now, interestingly enough, 
my experience has been is that most therapists don't work with the parents directly. They work maybe with the parent and the child, or they work solely with the child. To the degree that the kid has a warm relationship with the therapist, it can spill over into the home life or his own life. But by and large, you want the big changes. You've got to go with the parents and change the style that's going on at home, by and large. 877-573-7825. Thank you for calling. This is Dr. Ray. On a scale of 1 to 10, how is your pain? Relax. The doctor is in. She was a mystic and reformer who died at the age of 33. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Catherine of Siena accomplished something no one thought possible. She convinced Pope Gregory XI to return to Rome after the popes had lived in France for almost the whole of the 14th century. They've been there ever since. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. You're right, Andrew, I do. Yeah, you just got to be happy hearing a fiddle. Fiddle is just a happy instrument. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi. We'll fiddle around here a little bit. Have a caller from a previous program who was on the line. She called uh, a couple days ago. She has a question about scrupulosity. Hi, caller. Hey, Doctor Ray. Um, God bless you for all you do. Um, they they pay me. They they pay me. I'm sorry. They pay me. Oh. <laughs> I have a question about scrupulosity. Um, several years ago, um, when a lot of these companies were um, getting very woke and they were doing things that didn't line up with my Catholic faith or my Catholic um, 
values, I started boycotting them, and I, I just refused to, um, you know, support them in any way. Um, there are so many of them now that there's almost no place to go to <laughs> shop or <laughs> buy things, um, eat, do anything, and I wondered, is that scrupulosity to um, to take that that to the point where you know you're really searching hard for places to get things that you need, um, or is that prideful? Um, I mean, especially the ones that are supporting um, abortion travel. Um, I just can't reconcile myself to that, and I I didn't know. I had one person tell me that yes, that's scrupulosity. You need to look at the good that the companies do because they also usually do some good. And then another person said. Um, no, that absolutely is not scrupulosity because, you know, sometimes that's the only way that you can get a point across. So i just like to hear your take on that. I'm going to ask this. That's a dumb way to introduce this because, of course, I'm going to ask it. Would my take make any difference? Well, <laughs> I, I guess in, you know, that, <laughs> that's a good question. I think you've got me stumped there. Um I guess I feel like I am doing the right thing, but I also don't want to fall into that, you know, scrupulous, uh, that sin of scrupulosity. And, I, and I'm feeling like it's a fine line, in a way, um, because there are so many places now that I just refuse to support or give my money to. Um, you know, and some of them are really, you know, really big companies that make, um, you know, consumer consumer goods, things that you need for everyday life, you know, toothpaste and shampoo and those kinds of things. And then there's other ones, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say any names on the air or anything, but there's other ones where, you know, you can buy things and, you know, online and, and it's very convenient. So, um, you know, that's the thing. I mean, if you boycott one, I guess you need to boycott them all or... Well, you wouldn't um, be able to live. See, the question on scrupulosity is how much is it destroying your peace in the sense that the church wouldn't teach that you are morally wrong in buying toothpaste from a company who owns seven other companies and one of those other companies uh, supports an agenda that is counter to everything you deeply believe in they wouldn't say that they would call that if if it's remote material cooperation, which is kind of like the thinnest sort of cooperation with these companies. So first of all, you can't even know what they own because most of these big companies True. have a bazillion subsidiaries and you, you can't run them all down. That's one. Another okay. is if your conscience says, I don't want to do business with that company. I don't want to go to that movie theater because of some of the movies that they run. Okay. But you're, that's your decision. You're making a decision based upon your own conscience. If you say, well, you know, my, my friend, she wanted to go see a movie there, and, and okay, I went with her, and did I commit a sin? See, that's where you get into being scrupulously miserable. Okay. Because it's not a sin to go watch a movie at a theater that runs trash movies. I'll, I'll give you a small example for myself. My first couple of books were published by a major New York publisher. Major. 
big. Uh-huh. Well, after that, I realized I don't, I don't want to have my books published by them. So I went with more faithful publishers that were much, much smaller. Now, okay. if I were to say, well, that big publisher wants to publish my book, okay. It's not a sin for me to let that publisher publish it, even though they publish sewage too. That's not a sin, but that would be my conscience decision. I don't want to do that. See, that's where you're going to get in trouble. If you say, I really don't want to give that company my business, I'm going to look for Uh other options. Okay, you can do that. But if you say, well, now, but, but see, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm Okay, I'm not giving my company that business, but I'm giving that other company my business, that other business, and now what do I do? Because, you know, I feel like a hypocrite now because how am I picking and choosing? Now that's, right. when, you're getting, that's when you're getting scrupulous. And okay. that is not a good way to live. No, and I'm, I'm even finding right now that, you know, I'm feeling a little bit that way in some cases. You know, it just depends, you know, like sure. you said. I you're talking yourself into misery. Stuff. Yeah, I, that's, you really are. That's a, exactly. That's a good way to put it. That's what it feels like. Um, yeah, God I, doesn't want you to live that and, way. But especially when time, you're trying to be faith-filled. Especially when you're saying, "I don't want to give certain companies my business." Okay, good. That's your choice. Are you going to not go to California because California is now a sanctuary state and will transport young girls who want to abort their babies? Are you going to not go to California? Yeah, and you know, seriously, those kinds of things have crossed my mind. See, that's scrupulous now. Now you're scrupulous. Yeah, okay, okay, I understand. Um, Yeah, and part of the problem is I I had worked for one of these companies for many, many years, and it's a different company now than it was then. Um, it, It has completely gone woke, and I feel badly because I'm not supporting it, but by the same token, it was very, very good to me when I worked there. So, um, well, you don't have to support it, but you don't have to be miserable if you do purchase something from them. There's the difference. Okay. There's the difference. All righty, my. All right. I appreciate that. Well, then let me go back to my original question. Okay. Will my answer make any difference? (laughs) Darn! I didn't know there was going to be a test. Yeah, you can (laughs) study. You can study and then call me and let me know. I want a 500-word report on my desk tomorrow. And by the way, you can't put it on my desk because my desk was constructed by some company that owns this other company that uses slave labor. So just oh, well, wanted, I can't. you know that. All okay. Right. Thanks, Thank honey. you for your help. All right. Mm, bye. bye. It's true. I mean, you can just think yourself. Catherine from Florida. She is out of her comfort zone. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Hello, doctor. <laughs> well, did you use the word anger issues when you were talking to Eric? To Eric? Yes. <laughs> you? He didn't use anger issues. You did, huh? I did, and coincidentally, that is my brother's name. <laughs> I'm like, oh my. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's why I confused you. <laughs> Well, do you, you said now, you said with mental illness, are you saying he has been diagnosed with a mental disorder and being anger no, is part he, of this? No, he has not. But that was actually a broader part. In general, I've never been uh, well informed of mental illness in general as I wanted to be. But I kind of wanted a good book recommendation on that because in general, just mental illness makes me uncomfortable because, uh, you know, their behavior and uh 
<laughs> just some of the things they say or even do that I've even been around. And it's like, I don't want to have any of that in my life. So now growing up my whole life with my brother, since childhood of having explosive anger for over the stupidest things, it's completely illogical. And here we are, and we're both in our 30s now. And it's like, you're still doing this, dude? It's just, and of course it upsets my mother. Has he been explosively angry? Has he been explosively angry toward you? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Right. Since childhood. All, right. All right. Hold on a second, Catherine. I'm going to ponder this. You, I would have done better if you'd have put it in true false. I'd have had a 50-50 chance. But since you want a short answer essay, I'm going to have to study. I'll be right back. Sanctity is not an outgrowth of a person's political opinions. Sainthood is about the demonstration of heroic virtue, and that has virtually nothing to do with a person's politics. Not all political views are equally good, but whatever your political view, you can be a saint. Because being a saint doesn't mean that you have all your intellectual opinions perfectly formed. It means you have been purged of disordered self-love, and you have put on Christ. The late Cardinal George used to say, the church is not conservative or liberal. The church is Catholic. Dorothy Day, was she conservative or liberal? Oscar Romero, conservative or liberal? St. John Paul II, conservative or liberal? We have a different agenda, even when it comes to the social order. But our primary agenda is sainthood. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does this strange beatitude mean? Well, Father Victor Feltz points out that George Bailey, in It's a Wonderful Life, embodies this beatitude. He has to sacrifice his bucketless items and his dreams in order to save the building and loan company of Bedford Falls. But by the end of the movie, he realizes that he's truly the richest man in town. The beatitudes challenge our understanding of happiness both as individuals and as a society. They're paradoxical, and they upend our priorities. We don't need anyone to tell us that good fortune, money, and success do often make us happy. But we wouldn't have thought that the road to riches in God's kingdom is paved with meekness. It doesn't mean denying your gifts, but it does challenge us to allow others to have the spotlight and to approach them with gentleness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Get on my horse. Oh, man, that is manly music. Am I allowed to be manly without being toxic? Still be manly? Build things? Lift weights? Play sports? Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Goretti. I'm talking to Catherine from Florida. Catherine, you still there? Yes, sir, I'm here. All right, thank you, dear. So the situation is that your 30-some-year-old brother, all his life has kind of had a trip-switch temper. Um, yes. And that trip-switch temper is 
part of, perhaps, the way he runs his life poorly. So far, so good? Uh, depends. Because uh, he is trying to, he works hard, and he keeps the stable job. Hard worker, he actually over-delivers at his job. And customers love him with what he does. So it's just, that's why it's like, you're so nice and wonderful to everybody else that you meet. But you're terrible to your own sister and your mother. It's just a, he's nice. I'm assuming he loves us, but he just uh, is confrontational if there's any kind of disagreement. And literally, if he spills the milk, and it's just like, it's just milk. You don't need to but get that upset, like throw his hands up in the air, like absolutely gets just angry. And it's been like this since childhood. All right. So if you want to have, and it's Catherine, if you want to have an association with your brother, a relationship with your mm-hmm. brother, two things probably will help. One, mm-hmm. when he goes off like that, you just sort of look at him. <laughs> and, and you don't demean him, but your thought is, what is your problem? Right? You don't. You don't have to let his anger upset you. Unless it's coming at you, then you might have to do something about it. But but for the most part, he just gets frustrated. Uh, that's one. The other thing is, probably you and your mother, in the most benign ways, can set him off. Because you give an opinion he doesn't want to hear. Is that safe to say, too? Probably. And then okay. something else, too. There's, there's even things I can't even tell you what. Right. And, I, and, and so you're forced with one of two options. One, you just say, I don't want you in my life, which I don't think you want to go that far. And if you're a Christian, you, about it. Well, I know you have because it would be easier. But if you're a Christian, you, you really got to think long and hard about shunning somebody for good. Okay. So the I better have way. One confession. What's I have that? a confession. Okay. Um, couple of years ago, he did make me so mad. I actually did stop talking to him, and it didn't, it didn't even last a week. I don't even remember what it was, and this is actually critical. But he made up for it. He got me a, a present that made me that I've always wanted, and then I instantly forgave him. And not only did I forgive him, in that same moment, I actually forgot what it was. But it was absolutely terrible. And, well, let me help. Me. Let me help you out. When you say absolutely terrible, I mean, in my mind, conjuring up absolutely terrible is unspeakable. Maybe in your mind, he was just really nasty, uh, just despicable in his insulting or whatever it is he did, probably verbally. So when you say absolutely terrible, you got to be careful with your language because the language can convince you. That whatever he did was beyond the pale, it was unendurable. What I'm saying is, if you want to get along with your brother, if that's your goal, then you're going to have to let a lot of what he does just kind of go by you. You're not going to get immersed in it. You're not going to argue with him. Because otherwise, otherwise you're going to be at the mercy of whatever he says or does that either makes you feel terrible or draws you into an argument or makes you give him your reality and then that starts more troubles that's what i'm saying if because i i can only work with i can only work with you Catherine. i can't work with your brother 
you know, people write me emails and say, <laughs> well, that's what they say. But people write me emails and say, well, you know, that was poor Catherine. She's got to deal with him, but you got to tell him. And I said, he didn't call. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell him. He didn't call. Catherine's saying, help me get along better with my brother. And so that's all going to be on Catherine. So two things. He ruined Disney World once. Well, I, I, and I'm sure you, I'm World. sure you could give me a long litany of all the ways he's been unpleasant and frustrating and no, difficult. No, I couldn't. That's actually the last part. No, I couldn't. I actually mostly remember the emotions. I actually barely remember the actual events. Well, then that tells you something, Catherine. That tells mm-hmm. you that if those events fade from your consciousness that quickly, then maybe you're making more out of them than you, than you should. Not all of it. Okay. But anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna have to let you go because i got a whole bunch of other calls. But those are just my suggestions on that. Hopefully that will help. Warren from New York. Hi, Warren. Boy, interesting scenario with you the other night. I woke up around 2 a.m., and my house was um, completely dark. The, the shades were drawn, and there was a light on, like a flickering light, fairly bright, you know, on my wall, and it was no reflection. And um, you know, it was kind of like a, it felt like it was something, a presence, like something that was really alive, you know what I'm saying? And I was just wondering if you'd ever heard or encountered anything like that yourself. Oh, I've encountered that many, 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 many times. You know what it is for me? What? It is when the the humor in your eyes becomes a little more viscous, a little more solid as you get older. And it sends off flashes as it pulls, it pulls on various aspects of the outer parts of your eyeball and sends flashing lights. Now, those are usually short-lived, and they come and go with the movement of your eyes in the dark. Now, that may not be it for you. I guess for you, we don't know what it is, but you look for the natural explanation first. Right, and I, I've, I've done that, and... Um... See, I, I haven't encountered anything like you were saying myself, you know. And um, What would you I think, if it were some kind of spiritual message, what would you think the intent would be? That's what I don't know. Um, I um, see something on Facebook where the Blessed Mother says, says things like, um, if you pray, the Blessed Mother will visit your house tonight. So... I have I have been praying for her to visit my house and, you know, touch my family. And so I don't know if it would be something like that. Well, really you sound like you're hoping it would be something like that. But the question becomes, is it something like that? Um, me, from my own perspective, I'm very slow to see these unusual spiritual encounters if there are other explanations. So at this point, I guess if it happens again, you might uh, take a closer look at anything naturally that could be causing it. And if not, you say, Lord, if you're trying to tell me something, I'm dense, I'm not understanding, could you, could you tell me again?
How does one describe Christ's relationship to his church? The Catholic Catechism says Christ is one with his church. He is the head, we are the members. Head and members together make up the whole body of Christ. Head and members form, as it were, one and the same mystical person. St. Joan of Arc put it very simply to her judges. She said, About Jesus Christ and the Church, I simply know they're just one thing. We shouldn't complicate the matter. The Catechism also refers to the imagery of the Bridegroom, the theme of Christ as the Bridegroom of the Church, as two in one relationship. Just as in marriage, two become one flesh, the Church is portrayed as the spotless bride of the spotless Lamb. Christ has joined the Church with Himself in an everlasting covenant. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Learn and spread the word about the food, clothing, parenting classes, financial assistance that these resource centers provide moms, and not just for a few weeks after the baby is born, but often for up to four years after birth. Don't assume that just because you haven't heard about pro-life resources or efforts that they don't or aren't available or that the church hasn't been involved. The media, and I know this firsthand from my years of experience, have been working with the abortion industry to suppress information about resources as well as totally misrepresent or blatantly lie about what the pro-life community offers moms and families in need. And last but not least, do some homework and prayerfully give thanks to these pro-life warriors and consider becoming a pro-life warrior yourself. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. A lot of very poignant calls up there, and I certainly want to get to all of them. Gosh. Okay. Let's go to Mary from Grand Rapids, Michigan. She has a 94-year-old mom living in assisted care. Mom has this repetitive uh, habit of just brushing her hair uh, endlessly, it sounds like from Mary's report. She'll miss meals as she brushes her hair. Hi, Mary. Hi. Well, as your mother always had a kind of predisposition for compulsive behavior or no this is something that's kind of come on as she's aged yeah that's a pretty new okay now the reason i asked that mary is because it's not unusual that your mom may have other signs of dementia would you say sure a little bit i mean memory problems yeah okay so it's not unusual then with a certain amount of neurological change that can come with her age, perhaps with some neurological deterioration, that she wouldn't develop a compulsive behavior. That's a, that's a neurological thing. Now, your concern was that the, the assistants just let her do this and don't uh, get her to come to meals, correct? Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why. I mean, it seems pretty important to me to not yeah. just the meal itself, um, but the socializing with, with her friends. Would they tell and you that we've like, tried, but she resists us? No. All they say is we can only encourage. So they'll usually, so 
The Ooh, new wow. meal is right at noon. So they'll go in there around 1030. She'll be brushing her hair. And they'll say, you know, in about an hour, you know, come down to the dining room. And they might come back again or maybe two times, and she's still brushing her hair. So they just they just keep telling her to come down. Yeah. And she might say, I'll, I'll be there in a little bit, but sometimes well, she never makes it. It's assisted living, so they give, a, they give a lot of leeway to the person's individual choices, even though in this case it certainly seems that your mother is not capable of making good yeah. judgment on this. So yeah. does she miss all meals? No. Well, she never she never has the breakfast because she's not a super early riser. So I'm over that. That's not going to change. But um, she has missed, you know, a lot of lunches and sometimes lunch and dinner. And sometimes they'll call me at maybe 630 at, in the evening and say, you know, we don't know what to do. We, we just can't stop her. She didn't come for lunch and she didn't come for dinner. You know, so then, then sometimes if I'm able, I'll go down there and I just, I just sit down next to her and I say, Mom, you know, you've been, you've been at this for a while. You look beautiful. One more brush through, and then, and then that's it. And then I'll physically have to take the brush out of her hand and put it away. And then she might snark, you know, at me for a minute. But by the time I wheel her out into the hallway and toward the dining room, you know, she's forgotten all about it. And that's what I've told them. I said, she might get a little snickety with you, but please, could you just, Take physically take it away from her. That's the only way you're going to stop her. It seems, and they won't but do it. They just don't like doing that. Yeah, they're probably worried about some kind of confrontation. A couple of things: ask them if they can bring the meal up to her. Uh, if they say no, no, we can't do that. Then what I would suggest is that you make sure that your mom has easy to eat foods there. So that if she does get done brushing her hair, she's got some food there in her little apartment. That mm-hmm. might help. Um, you might have to increase your visits to say, okay, I got a, I got a mom. And the other thing I would do is this. If, if they have a physician uh, consulting or even, yep, even in the... Okay, then I would talk to the physician. I'd say, here's what's going on. Yeah. My mom they know is about the, it. Okay. And they the know about it. They've, and the they've physician is not giving them... The physician is not giving them permission to say, hey, I give you permission from this perspective. Her health is being compromised to go up and say a couple of nice things and say, come on, I'll take your brush and I'll bring it down with you down to the table. So we'll have it there. And by the time you get down to the table, she may forget about her brush. And if the physician gives them the permission, then they can probably do it. So that's the route I would also go. Yeah. All right. I, I would try that, dear. At some point... <laughs> At some point, you got to make the case that this is not a rational behavior. This is yeah. not something we right. can say, well, my, my mother is just too, choosing to comb her hair for three hours. That's not yeah. rational. All yeah. righty, Mary. Thank you for the call, yeah. Mary. Okie dokie. Uh, let's see where we're at. Uh, Caroline, my granddaughter's name, beautiful name, sweet Caroline, Neil Diamond. She says, this is prompted from the, the earlier question, she said, I'm the one, when I said that, uh, when uh, our caller said that her brother has uh, these trip switch temper outbursts with her and her mother, and I said, well, you know, I can't, I can't talk to him because he didn't call. Well, Caroline says, I'm calling. I'm the person like that. Hi, Caroline. Oh, Dr. Ray, life is good. <laughs> My so, mom is very ill, 
and I have uh, relatives that seem to think they know what they're doing. Um, I'm her caretaker, and they all want to put their two cents in to the point where I get so riled up, I say choice words, I end up having to go to confession, and I, I just don't know how to stop thy tongue. I mean, I get, I am so angry, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Why are you I'm doing that? Things. Why are you doing that? Oh, because they frustrate me to pieces, and they won't listen to me, and they think what that That, you just said it. Now you just I said why control. you're doing it. I want control. That's right. <laughs> how, how dare they question right? your motivation I and your... <laughs> well, my dear, listen to them, hear their opinions, and then say something like, okay, what would you have me do? And if they give you something that's ridiculous, you can ignore it and not do it because they're not going to be around to supervise you. Or you can just hear them out. I know it's bugging you. You're saying, hey, look, I'm the one who's doing the main caretaking here, and you people bop in, and you give me your opinions, and I'm supposed to go, oh, okay, well, then, no matter. That, that's what's bugging you. You're taking it personal, aren't you? Well, no, what really bugs me is, you know, after I get all bent out of shape and carry on, they turn around and say, oh, and look at you. You go to church? <laughs> yeah, this is how you religious people act, huh? Right, right. That's well, what really bothers me. Your anger is that they're not doing what you would like them to do. They're being opinionated, or they're trying to intrude, or whatever it is they're doing. That's where your anger is coming from. If you say to yourself, all right, what do I expect? This is what they're going to do. I'm not going to let it shake me up anymore because I know it's coming. I will either quietly shut my mouth and listen and nod and then eventually do what I want. Or I will just continue to ask them, what do you, what do you think's the best? All right, let's just, I'll, I'll think about all this. Rather than saying, why are they doing this? Who do they think they are telling me? I'm the one who's taking care of this. What kind of opinion is this? And then you unload on them, and you just give them satisfaction that you're a lunatic. Exactly. Because, you know, I just, I immediately react. I don't even stop and think. It just comes out like... All right, here's how you stop and think. You don't wait till the situation to stop and think. You prepare yourself for any kind of contact with them. So you give yourself a little... That's right. You give yourself a little pep talk beforehand and say, I know it's coming. I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to get mad so they can just accuse me. I'm just going to sit and listen here. I'm going to control myself, and I'm going to be very grateful that I didn't say what I wanted to say because I didn't look stupid, and I don't have to apologize. There you go, Caroline. Thanks for the call. This is Dr. Ray. This Ave Maria program is brought to you by the following. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of our biblical faith heroes, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. From sponsored TVN with host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo comes a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the Biblical Highway. In theaters September 18th and 19th, it's Route 60, the Biblical Highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. If we think like children, can we get a better workout? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. 
For many of us, getting a workout means going for a run, lifting weights, or doing some push-ups. But are we having fun doing any of those things? Many experts suggest that we need to incorporate play and fun into our workouts, just like when we were kids. We got plenty of exercise, climbing trees, playing ball, or chasing a friend. Now some personal trainers are incorporating childlike routines in their planned workouts to keep things fresh and filled with fun. The experts suggest that we watch kids at play and mirror their exercise. Kids don't usually run for miles and miles. They run, stop, jump, and play. Then they do it again. They mix things up. They laugh, they still sweat, and they still get out of breath. They get a good workout. We can do the same. For more on playful workouts, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. You are listening to a least worst of. The doctor is in. We have no best of. I'm not going to let the music play. I'm going to apologize immediately. The lines are completely jammed, which means with six minutes left in the program, I'm jammed. So please, you call back in the future. You are first up anytime you call back. Oh. Adam from Birmingham, Alabama, down there at EWTN. They homeschool. People ask. People probably object to their homeschooling. And Adam says, we explain to him, um, I don't want to sound self-righteous. Hi, Adam. Hey, Dr. Ray. How are you? Okay, sir. I would say I'd give, I'd give him several nice, non-threatening explanations. For example, we want to spend more time with our children, and that's the easiest way to do it. We found out that we can instruct them in much less time than they would be at school. And we have our evenings free. Three, we'd like to hold on to their innocence a bit longer. Because many children are not being raised the same way. The culture is raising many children. And we want to have the, the childhood innocence for some years longer. And then if they start to object, and they say things like, what about their socialization? You can't protect them forever. I I don't even argue with that stuff. I just simply say, well, we're the ones to socialize them, not 27 other third graders. And no, we're not trying to protect them forever. We're just trying to protect them longer. That's what I would do, Adam. Sure, sure. Thank you. Yeah, the biggest objection I think we get is simply, oh, I could never do that. Well, then the, well, <laughs> you know what they're doing. They're saying you and your you and your wife are making them feel a little less parental. I could never do that. In other words, I'm not capable. And I, you know what I'd right. say? I'd say, well, you could if you didn't have to work or or if logistics permitted, you could. And I think you'd find out you would in, you would enjoy your relationship with your child much more so. You know, he's getting home at 3.30, maybe he's got after-school activities, and he's got homework, and then you got to get food, then you got to get him to bed, and then, oh, yeah, I saw you for 22 minutes today. 
Yeah. Well, that fascinates us because our, the bus comes through our neighborhood at 6.30 in the morning and drops the Yow. kids off, like you said, at 3.30. Yeah. And and people people look at us going to 7 a.m. Mass on Sundays asking, how do we do it? And well, we just explain to them, well, we only do it one day a week. Most people we know do it five days a week. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thanks, Adam. Well, thank Good call. I'll talk to you, buddy. Kate from Florida has adopted her two granddaughters, six and nine. Kate is gone? Okay, shoot, I wanted to get to that. Um, Diane uh, from Indiana went on vacation, and the 19-year-old granddaughter was getting alcohol from other family members. Hi, Diane, how are you? Good, how are you? Who gave him the alcohol, aunts, uncles? No, um, her mother and um, stepfather. Oh, well, how are you going to do anything about that? Uh, well, kind of, that's... That's kind of what I wanted to know. Is well, you, you keep, the first thing I would have said, that. well, yeah, the first thing I would have said was, well, you got to let their parents know. But you just told me their parents know, so obviously their parents don't care. Their parents think that's fine. Uh, and you know, the other thing is, okay, so maybe it's a beer, maybe it's a glass of wine. Nobody's going to get bent out of shape over that. So, so your objection on something like that would be based upon what? I, I just think that's um, too young to have your parents, um, I guess, approval of it. You know, I, I know kids try to get drinks, you know, elsewhere, but to actually have your parents say, oh, what do you want to drink? You know, well, what I you're guess. saying is I don't agree with what the parents are doing and you're perfectly allowed to have your opinion on that. The problem is uh, they're the parents, you know, and I think you only create conflict if you say something. Okay. If you come come Uh, across like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? She's too young for this. They'll look at you like, uh, excuse us? Yes. Should I address it to my granddaughter? No. Should I? No. No, why? Dr. Ray, you need to let people know when they're doing something wrong. Well, well, first of all, we haven't established they're doing anything terribly wrong yet. And second of all, these are the parents, and they're making this decision in a supervised way. And although you or I might not agree with it, uh, the problem is I'm not the parent. You're not either. Diane, that's the problem. Okay, so I this, this isn't anything, anything and I... I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If you're asking my suggestion, because as a shrink, I have seen massive relationship problems where grandparents have given their opinion where it wasn't asked for. Okay. Alrighty, so, my dear. N- neither, neither the granddaughter or the, or the no, parents. No, okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either one. Uh, those of you who are okay. still there, please call back in the future. You know, it's interesting. A, a, a whole bunch of people just dropped off as soon as I said that. And I'm thinking... Well, wait a minute. The rule is you have to be on the line at the end of the show. Ah, I might show some flexibility. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it so very much. Walk with God. Our culture may not value that walk, but it is one that is infinitely valuable. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook.
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.